Welcome again to the Leadership Kingdom Leadership Equipping Group and the KLE Podcast. This is your host, John Smith. I'm sitting in Pennsylvania, USA, and uh, broadcasting to you live via Facebook group and um, via the podcast. If you don't have time to watch the live broadcast, you can always download the podcast uh, episode off of KLE, that's what it's called, KLE with Sean Smith. And we, I am on Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Anchor.fm, and a number of other platforms where you can reach me. We, uh, the live broadcast, I broadcast Sundays and Mondays. In this case, um, it's going to be Mentoring Tuesday, not Mentoring Monday. Mon- yesterday, I didn't get to it, so I thought today I will hop on and chat with you, just bringing you the message of um, some encouragement, some inspiration regarding your leadership. We're talking today a little bit about successful leadership. And uh, let me say this is that kingdom leadership equipping is about equipping leaders with a kingdom mindset. You are the kingdom nation. Uh, The word of God tells us that we are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. You are the holy nation. A holy nation of what? Uh, The nation of the kingdom of heaven. You are now citizens. You're not aliens anymore. You're not trying to migrate into there. Your immigration has taken place. You've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the rule and the reign of the prince of the power of the air. Somebody called him the pretender. And you've been translated or transferred and set in the kingdom of of the son of his love. In other words, Jesus now is your king. He is the monarch that rules over his kingdom. And you are subjects of that kingdom. Subjects in this case are kings and priests unto God. You are not slaves. You are administrators of the kingdom values, the kingdom culture, which is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the culture of the kingdom of heaven that you bring to earth because it's invested in you. And now you can begin to transfer it into every culture around you. I talk, I called this group Kingdom Leadership Equipping simply because of, of what I've been through. I began to notice how specifically, I mean, you know, I talk to, I talk to uh, business leaders and I've coached business leaders. But what I noticed was that we have this wrong perception, we have this wrong point of view, we have this wrong paradigm when it comes to leading. Now, and again, let me paraphrase or let me put in brackets here. Leadership is not something that you are looking for. Leadership is not a title. Leadership is not a position. When Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, go therefore and make disciples of all nations and all 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 ethnicities or all cultures, he was talking to you and me. He was talking to the church. He was saying to us, you are the called out ones. You are the citizens now. You are the sons of God. You bring transformation to all the cultures around you. We don't, we cannot, oh, never mind. I don't want to get into everything right now, but we are the ones to bring that transformation, that culture of the kingdom of heaven and begin to permeate all the cultures around us with kingdom values, kingdom, uh, the kingdom way, the kingdom 
convictions, the kingdom belief set, the kingdom laws and, and principles, truths that we find in the word of God. I emphasize kingdom simply to, to keep people focused on a mindset. Because we, we've tended to become a church mindset. Now, the church, the church has the kingdom in, in them. But the problem is we, we've come from this Christianese mindset. We've come from a mindset that's religious. We've come from an organizational, institutional mindset where men lorded, men want to be the king. And we need to understand there's only one king, and his name is Jesus. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And Revelation tells us that we are a kingdom of priests, kings and priests. And so we are a kingdom, and that's why I keep talking about kingdom, not because I'm trying to start a new cult or a new, you know, something. I'm just emphasizing so that we begin to shift our mindset. Jesus said, Change your thinking or repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was speaking to the religious order of the day and he was saying, you've got to change your thinking. You've got to change your mindset. You've got to have this 180 degree turnaround in how you think and how you approach and how you do things simply because the kingdom of heaven is here. And the king had, had arrived, you know, so people are looking for a kingdom to come. The kingdom has come. The kingdom is here. We have it invested in us and we are its representatives, its envoys, the ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. And we carry the king, the kingdom of heaven culture within us, which is the kingdom of God. And we are to influence and permeate everything around us. But if you're looking for leadership, you're not the, a leader. If you're looking for followers, you're not a leader. If you think being a kingdom leader is about oppressing, being over manipulating people, you're not a leader. If you think leadership is a position, a power position, if it's status, if you think that leadership is about everybody serving you, you're not a leader. Leadership is about discovery, discovery of your purpose, discovery of your assignment. And the foremost assignment that we have is to go into all the world and make disciples, going to every culture group, teaching them to obey whatsoever he commanded us. And just that initiative of going and making disciples, that making disciples is, is not a religious term. You understand it's not religion. It's a mentorship par excellence. It's somebody that has an, invest, has, has an investment in them that they're transferring into somebody else, that they're investing into other people. You see, Jesus is not come for the city. He's not come for the land. He owns everything, but he doesn't want the kingdoms of this world. Satan offered it to him. The devil offered it to him and said, if you bow down to me, you can have all these kingdoms. Look at the glory. Look at the splendor of them. You can have them. And he said, you worship the Lord your God only. That's what the word of God says. The word says, worship the Lord your God only, devil. And the devil had to leave him. If, if, he, if that was a, if was a temptation, if it wasn't a temptation, Jesus wouldn't have bothered about it. But and the devil wouldn't have tried to use it, but it was a temptation to get Jesus to bow, to bow to the God, the God of this world, the cosmos, these systems. And we're to go to those systems and not try and take over the systems. We're not to take over the city and claim, you know, the countries. We, the land that Jesus purchased is you and me, man. 
You and me. That's the land Jesus purchased. Your soul and my soul. That's what Jesus purchased. So I'm glad you're with me. Thank you for hopping on to this live video or hopping onto this episode of KLE. I'm glad you are with me. So the whole approach that I'm taking and the whole reason for this is not to speak to pastors or to speak to, and they're included, obviously, but I'm not speaking to positions. I'm not speaking to status symbols. I'm not speaking to uh, titles. I'm speaking to people that are taking action and want to take action. People that are being um, inspired to actually do what Jesus called them to do, which is to go into all the world and make disciples. Now, that discipleship making process, you could be in business, you could be in medical, you could be in education, you could be in politics, you could be in um, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever dimension you actually are in right now, whichever marketplace you're in, that is the platform God wants to use. God wants to use you in your specific way with your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your strengths. He's gifted you with those things. He's gifted you with inherent gifts that you can use to actually permeate into the culture. God wants you to be inserted into the culture of the day. He doesn't want you to be removed. He doesn't want us to become monastery minded or monastery focused. He wants us to be inserted into the culture of the day. The reason we meet together as the church, as a community of citizens of the kingdom of heaven, is to, to, to firstly fellowship, distribute, edify, encourage one another to be equipped and then to go back out into the marketplace. Meetings was never God's mind. <laughs> never. All right. So that's the first thing I wanted to tell you is just that whole paradigm. Kingdom leadership is not a new thing. To me, it's a movement. It's a movement of stirring up people to come back to the what Jesus instituted. If you go read Matthew 23, um, that is where, that's what inspired me to, to rethink leadership. And it challenged me deeply. Because for me, it was a process of a number of years to review, analyze, um, reconsider, rethink, and, and uh, you know, renew myself in, to be transformed with a new mindset. And of course, I challenge, so I challenge leaders with that mindset. And of course, religious people that, uh, who are focused on their position, their titles, their ministry, their thing, they, they are the ones that fight the most. They're the ones that get offended the first, simply because the religion will not relinquish their power, will not relinquish uh, their status to, in fact, be, instead of exalting themselves, to actually lower themselves, humble themselves, so others will be exalted. Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest, you've got to be the least. Jesus said, if you want to be the ruler, You've got to be the servant. Serve with your gift. Serve with who you are. Serve with your purpose. Serve with, with all your life to actually pass and invest who you are into the next generation. So you become less and they become more. Today, being a successful, lead, successful leadership, well, we on it already, but it's totally contrary. Kingdom leadership is totally contrary to the world's way of thinking. 
And that's really what I'm trying to convey here. But not that it's just for position, it's for everybody. People think when, when I say kingdom leadership equipping, majority of people think that it's not them. They don't need to be part of the group. They don't think when I talk leaders, I talk leadership, they think it's not them. Well, I'm a member of a church, so it's not me. I'm just a, you know, a mail deliverer or I work in a post office or I work, you know, in government. So it's probably not me. That's exactly who it is. It's exactly who it is. If you are focused on walking in the authority that Jesus has given us to, in fact, make disciples. And, and again, that's not a religious term. It's not a program in somebody's organization. It's not, it's not somebody's, uh, you know, fancy uh, program they've got or some revelation they've got that nobody else has. This is something that we as kingdom citizens do. It's what we do. We invest into the next generation. God is a generational God. But I wanted to read to you today John, John from John chapter 21 and verse 17. You can actually go from 15, but just 17 I want to read. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me with a deep personal affection for me as for a close friend? And Peter was grieved. That he asked him the third time, do you really love me with a deep personal affection as for a close friend? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you with a deep personal affection as for a deep, as for a close friend. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. It's interesting here is that Peter was the last one actually present at Jesus' um, court case when it started in front of the Sanhedrin, in front of the religious leaders of the day. Jesus was the first one, Peter was the last one there in the court. I always think to myself is that he has been viewed negatively as he's the one that betrayed Jesus. But look at it from another angle. He was the one that was in the court. Everybody else had left. He was the last one in that court. And they, when they accused him, they would have pulled him up to be a witness against Jesus. They were looking for witnesses and they would, would have used him to be a witness. And so he denies ever being associated with Jesus so that they cannot use him as a witness. However, he had already made a commitment that he would never deny Jesus. And this, this, incident affected him so deeply that a deep disappointment and disillusionment hit him right in the soul. It affected him so deeply that he's, emotionally he, became, he was wrecked. He had hoped that it wasn't going to happen. He was so committed to the Lord that he took on the whole temple guard with one sword, cut off the, the soldier's ear. He took on, he, it was actually a death sentence to him to actually fight them all, the whole temple guard that had come to fetch Jesus, to come and incarcerate Jesus. He took them all on. That was the level of devotion that he had as a disciple. When others fled, he stayed. And now he's suffering from from dread. He's suffering 
grief. Not only grief for what happened with Jesus, but grief for his own self, for his own lack of ability to stand up. But again, I, I look at it from a different perspective and I say, you know what? I can see where he came from, but he must have felt like I should have stood up. I should have said something. I should have been the, I should have gone in for, to be the witness. I should have stood up for my convictions. I, I should have stood up for my friend. I should have stood up for the one that I love. I shouldn't have betrayed him. I, I should have stood regardless of the cost to me, but he didn't. He didn't. And now he's suffering the, the emotional consequences of that. Nobody could understand his grief. Nobody could feel what he was feeling at that point in time. And everybody, all the disciples were probably going, well, there he, you know, there's Peter. And he actually said, I'm going back to fishing in a little earlier on in that chapter. It actually means that he's going to go back to his business of fishing. It was a crisis that Jesus was facing right here because all John said, me too, I'm going with you. So they were all going to go back to fishing, which means, you know, everybody would have dispersed and just gone back to their, whatever their lives were before they met the Messiah King. And so, yeah, they are actually are out there fishing and everybody joined them because, you know, they just all felt like, ha. <laughs> Their whole lives, it just suddenly, all the purpose in their lives was gone. The person they'd followed, the person that had mentored them, the person that had invested so much in them for three years is suddenly gone. What do we do now? And so they're all fishing out there. But Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's now on the beach cooking breakfast for them. They... Peter is the first one out the boat. He takes, takes off his clothes, jumps in, and swims straight out to the beach to where Jesus is. His love and devotion still was so immense, so incredible. And he, he still he loved him so much that even though he, he didn't want to be part of whatever was going on now because he was so disillusioned and so disappointed and so discouraged that he just like I I I'm not good enough for this I'm I'm just a, a lowly fisherman I'm just a business guy I'm gonna go back to fishing but Jesus had seen something earlier on in Luke chapter 5 we see Jesus says hey can you see what happened to the fish come and hang out with me because I'm going to make you influential, so influential that you are going to impact lives of men, not just fish. You're not just going to be a, a businessman, but your, your influence is going to be so much greater than that, that you're going to influence people now. And I'm going to mentor you in that. He said, come and be with me. That, that is powerful. He said, others follow me, but you are going to be with me. A mentoring principle was at work. Jesus was the leader supreme. I'm telling you, Jesus was the most, my, when, when, after everything I've been through with leaders, 
the rejection, the disappointment, the the ostracizing, the the insults, the criticism, the the divisiveness, the the backstabbing, the, the stuff I've been, the lies, the treachery that I've been through. And, and I took eight years, nine years ago when, when I arrived in the UK and, and the Lord said, I'm going to now show you what is true leadership. And I began to look at the life of Jesus, not other men. I looked at the life of Jesus and suddenly I began to experience this revolution within my own thinking. And suddenly a whole new paradigm began to build because I began to see is that what I had experienced and what others had experienced I and what I had done, what I had done, what I had learned was so far removed from who Jesus is and how Jesus operates and what his, what, what his kingdom, what his culture is about, that it just, it floored me. And for eight years, I sat doing nothing as as the Lord began to revolutionize and transform my thinking so that I begin to think his way of thinking. The first thing I noticed was how Jesus was not working with a staff. He wasn't working with employees. He was working with people that he said, come and be with me. Not come work for me. Come and be with me. In, in that is the statement of, I'm going to mentor you. He called them his disciples because he was going to impart a whole new worldview to them, a whole new way of seeing things. And that was kingdom. That was his way of seeing things, his way of doing things. And so a lot of, and, and when as, as I began to look at this, I said, First of all, he was a mentor. He, as a leader, he, he had a heart of a father. And he invested in them. When they failed, when they messed it up, when they didn't get it, he just kept working with them, kept working with them, kept investing them. And he said, to you has been assigned a, a kingdom. My father has assigned the kingdom to you. Men that were illiterate, uneducated, men that, needed others to write the Gospels for them. And the women that supported as well, that were also there. But these were men and women that were of no significant standing in the order of the day. And yet Jesus chose them to be the ones to carry the most important message, to be envoys for the most important nation and government of the universe. (laughs) Can, can you grasp that? We're not talking about pulpit ministry here. We're talking about transformation. And when I looked at Jesus, I saw he was a mentor. He was a leader. He imparted a worldview. He spent time with them, invested in them, challenged them. And I just began to say, I haven't found this kind of leadership. Everybody operates in what was taught to me, everybody operates in in the world's way of, of leading. So we've got to do something different. Jesus could see into their lives something that others had misplaced. He could see into those fishermen businessmen. He could see into those um, 
that political activist called Judas, he could look into that, into that agitator, which was the other Judas. He could look into the tax collector. He could look into the various areas of their lives and he could see something that others didn't see. And the one that he really focused on was Peter. Peter didn't see it. Peter said, I'm a sinful man, depart from me. You can catch fish, I can't. I'm not, I'm not even a good businessman. That's what he, that's what he was saying. It's like, I fished all night, caught nothing. And yeah, you put down the net and you, you catch a hole so big, I need partners to come and help me. And it's like, I'm no good, depart from me. I'm, I'm nothing that you need. I am nothing that you need. Are you that kind of person? You know, I was, I was, I still am like that. I just like, I actually don't know anything. I, I have nothing. But I, one thing I know that is that I am a son of God. I'm a citizen of heaven. <laughs> I am uh, God's vessel. I am a temple of the Holy Ghost. So are you. Like we carry the glory of the kingdom of heaven within us, which is the kingdom of God. We carry the kingdom of God. We carry the kingdom of God within us. The governor of heaven, the Holy Spirit himself dwells in us. Man, I'm telling you, this is revolutionary. One thing I decided was that I can do that. <laughs> I, can, I can't come up with the, the laws of leadership, the theory of leadership, the, you know, all the studies and the persuasions. But what I can do is I can inspire a new world view of leadership. I can inspire that. I can say, you've got to lay down who you are and take up who he is. So here's the incident. Peter now swims to the beach and, and here's Jesus sitting with breakfast. They eat breakfast together. You can imagine they're all looking at him thinking, how did this happen? I mean, we remember he mentioned it, but we didn't actually believe it was going to happen. And here he's sitting alive. We saw him die and he's alive. Peter, of course, is sitting there sullen morose, melancholy. <laughs> he, he's just within himself. He's so disappointed in himself. So, so aware and so conscious of his disappointment to the Lord that he, he doesn't say much. He just sits there and, well, I know I'm not good enough. So I'm just going to go back to fishing, trying to catch fish all night. <laughs> But Jesus had said, Peter, in you, come and be with me, because in you, I see something that is going to be a major influence on men's lives. I see that in you. Come and be with me. And he had faithfully for three years. Now he's sitting at this place where he thinks he's not good enough. Nobody's ever believed in him, but... Jesus did, but now he's disappointed the one person that believed in him. And, and he just feels like, I'm not good enough. But the incredible thing here is, 
Jesus turns to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? The word there is agapeo. Do you, are you devoted to me? Deeply devoted in life and death. Unconditionally. And Jesus replies, you know I love you. The word love there is, you know, I love you is, um, yes, Lord, you know that I love you with a deep personal affection as for a close friend. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. That's the influence. You understand? That's the influence. Feed my lambs, Peter. Again, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me with total commitment and devotion in life and death? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you with a deep personal affection as for a close friend. So Jesus is, is and you understand this, we, for many years, I could, all I saw was this like religious transaction taking place here. Jesus, do, I mean, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Well, then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, I love you, Lord. Then feed my lambs. Jesus, Peter, do you love me? That's how I saw it. And that's how it was preached. But when I started understanding, when I looked at Luke chapter 5, and I saw the commitment of, of Jesus to the relationship, the deep relationship he was building, the great investment he made into this man and, and, and the, 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 his other friends that were around him, the relationship they built, the, the, the trust, the belief that Jesus put into them, then I began to realize this conversation was not taking place religiously. This was a passionate plea of a father to a son, of a mentor to a mentee, of a leader to a disciple. And it wasn't, Peter, do you love me? I imagine it like this. This 33-year-old who was now exiting and leaving the message to transform civilization, to transform people's lives for, for years and years and centuries to come, thousands of years. You're in my life as a result of it. Not Jesus. He wasn't going to be preaching. They were going to be the ones carrying the message and going and starting this process of investing the kingdom of God into people's lives by discipling them, by mentoring them. This was the balance hung right here. Right here is the crisis. Right here is the balance. Do you understand? Jesus is not going to religiously sit there and say, do you love me? Jesus must have leant across the fireplace and looked him in the eye and said, Peter, do you love me? Peter must have sat back and said, you know, I love you. Go and influence then, Peter. Keep doing what I've taught you to do, what I've trained and mentored you to do, what I've invested in you to do. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I'm deeply affectionate in feelings. You know, all my, my feelings, I, I, I sincerely do love you as a friend. And then interesting, the last is Jesus 
goes to his level. <laughs> he doesn't say you're not good enough. He goes to his level and he says, do you love me with a deep personal affection for me as for a close friend? He uses the same kind of love that Peter was replying all the time. Phileo. And he goes, he said, Lord. Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you really phileo me with a deep personal affection as for a close friend with with all your emotion. And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you with a deep personal affection. As for a close friend, Jesus said to him, feed my lambs or influence the people that I'm going to bring across your path. You see, mentors always believe in the best in people. They're not... You know, I'm not talking about this sort of new age concept. There's a bit of good and a bit of God in everybody. Listen, if you're not a new creature in Christ Jesus, you don't have anything of the spirit of Christ in you. (laughs) And you need to be born again. You need to become a new creature in Christ because then old things are passed away and all things become new. That's when... Jesus aligns you in right relationship and reconciles you to the Father. And that's when you get translated into the kingdom of God. But as a mentor, he sees the potential. He sees the the abilities. He he, he sees the, the, the ability within him, the potential in him. And he calls for that. And he's prepared to lay down the high standard in a sense and and relate to um, Peter on a level of, yes, I love you as a friend. Will you love me as a friend and therefore be committed to me? And when I read the story, I just... With, with new eyes, the intensity, the passion of it, not the religiosity of it, but the passion of it, of a, of a mentor appealing to the potential, to, to the investment that was in him. That everything that Jesus had spent three and a half years investing in him, Jesus was now calling out based upon love, based upon his relationship with him. Ultimately, there was first Jesus was saying, do you agape me? Will you lay down your life for me? Am I that valuable and precious to you? And he keeps coming back and saying, you, I'm devoted to you as a friend. Sincerely. And then Jesus goes, do you, I love you as a friend. Do you love me as a friend? And he says, yes, Lord, you know everything. And Jesus says, go and influence. And he did. He became the leader, the, the, the voice of the church of Jerusalem at that point in time. The voice of the message of the kingdom. He became the courageous one that stood for, for things and stood for the transformation. And what Jesus had seen in him in Luke chapter 5, you, I will make you fishers of men. In an influencer. 
It's not a religious, it wasn't a religious concept. Understand, it wasn't a religious concept. Now he's appealing to that potential. He's appealing to that gift within him. He's appealing to what he saw in the character and in the very depths of who Peter was. And Jesus is doing the same to you today. And I want to say to you, it's not only to you, but as we go into all the world, into every culture, and we find people always believe that there is potential in them. I, I honestly don't believe discipleship starts at the cross. <laughs> Jesus called for something in Peter and James and John and all the rest before the cross. Before the cross. I believe it starts in your relationships that you have today. As you build relationships and you begin to influence people. Not because you can preach and quote scripture. Or because you can prophesy. But because you can influence them with the values of the kingdom of God. Because you can begin showing them, not telling them, but showing them that there is another culture. And that culture is reflecting a nation. And that nation has a government. And that government is a good government, the best government, the greatest government. And that government has given you rights and privileges. It's given you, it, it, it's a, a government of righteousness, peace and joy. In the Holy Ghost. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. You are an influencer. Begin to see people's potential. Begin to see their value. Before. They even. Come to your meeting or go to your church or. Or you know. Say hallelujah. <laughs> we become so religious in these things, I'm telling you. We need to become influencers. Into the cultures and begin to make disciples. Because that's leadership. Begin to see their potential. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of of those that do not believe so that they will not see. We need to understand he is, a, the God of this world is a major influencer. He's influenced the kingdoms of this world, the cosmos of this world. But we have the Holy Spirit, the governor of heaven within us. And he resides within us with all the glory and all the kingship of Jesus. And as we go into all the world, we can be overwhelming and we can be invading his influence. So that he loses influence over people's lives. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The devil is not afraid of your church activities. He's not. A, you can go to church. You can sing your songs. You can listen to your messages. You can sit in the pews. You can attend every night you like. You can prophesy, you can even pray for the sick. He's not afraid of that. But when you start invading his kingdom, when you start 
beginning to bring the influence of the kingdom of God into people's lives. Now you're diabolically opposed to him. Now it's hostility. This is when he opposes you. Not, he's not afraid of our religious activities, I promise you. But when you begin to challenge his kingdom, and I'm not talking about standing in a pulpit and shouting, we're challenging the devil's kingdom. That doesn't work. We're holding a prayer meeting, we're challenging his kingdom. Nah. It's when you're going out. He's the great influencer of the cosmos through principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places, influences, all of them, different levels, rank and file. And here God sends kings and priests into the cosmos. And he says, go and influence, go and influence politics, go and influence medical education, go and influence society, go and influence those cultures, rulers, leaders, go and influence the workers, the moms, the dads, the family, the children, go and influence them. I'm making you fishes of men. But maybe you've been disappointed. Maybe you've been disillusioned and you're sitting at that fireplace and you're going, I'm not good enough. I want to tell you something. Jesus sees the potential that's in you and he's calling for it. Do you love me? Go and influence. Leadership is influence. This is all about influence. You cannot manipulate. You can't, if you're manipulating, you're not a leader. If you're controlling, you're not a leader. You cannot beat people religiously into doing it. I, you can stand on the street corner with your signboard that says repent, you're going to hell, and slap everybody in the back of their head, and I promise you, you, you are not leading. You are not doing kingdom work. You're not. It's when you begin to influence people's lives so that their worldview begins to change. This is what it is about, what it's about. All right, so that's what I wanted to share with you. So don't allow yourself to be disappointed, disillusioned, discouraged. <laughs> Imagine you sitting at that at, around that fire right now, wherever you are. I've had to sit at that fire, I promise you. I've sat at that fireplace and I've had Jesus look into my eyes, not once. <laughs> And say, Sean, will you, do you love me? Will you go and make fishes of men? Will you go and influence them using what I've given you? Using the methods, the, the platform, the, the gifting I've given you. Will you do it? And I have to say, yes, Lord. <laughs> I, don't, I don't match up to the, your standard, but yes. Not once a number of times, feeling the passion of his calling on my heart. How about you? Do you feel the passion of the relationship that you have with him? And in that relationship, he's calling you and he's calling for, for all the potential and all everything that is invested in you, all the glory, all the gifting, all the, 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 the stuff, all the, all, the, all the Holy Spirit he's put in you. He's calling for all of that, all the gifts and callings of God in you, all the purpose of God. He's calling for that in you and saying, go and make disciples. Go and, and feed my sheep. Go and feed the lambs, the ones that I purchased, not the city. I hear leaders all the time. We're going to take the city. Is it really? The city doesn't want to be taken. 
Who said the city wants to be taken? Who says God even wants the city? What is your mission as a leader? Who's God called you to influence? <laughs> it's really great to have you with me. I appreciate it. Maybe go and sit around the fire with Jesus <laughs> tonight, tomorrow. Take a seat over that breakfast fire and hear his, hear his plea to your heart, passionate plea. Do you love me? Go and influence. Make disciples. Go and be a leader where I've called you to be a leader. And then remember to do the same to others. Do the same to others. Impart to them. Impart, impart to them wherever they are. Influence those cultures. Influence those dimensions. That's what you're called to do. This is what it's about. Be a mental par excellence. All right. So glad to have you with me. I pray that you'll be stirred up and you'll hear in your relationship the passionate plea of the Lord Jesus to your heart and life right now. Till next time. This is Sean saying, God bless you. Love you lots.